On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's up, Colts Nation? Welcome back to the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your co-host, Derek Larger. Joining me today is our your other co-host, Cody Felger. Cody, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well, man. Thanks uh, thanks so much for asking. It's a beautiful day out. Super excited to jump into this topic today. It's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one in the wake of the Colts 2020 NFL Draft. Absolutely, man. You said it. It's a beautiful day. Great day for some more Colts content. We're bringing you another one. And while we're pending on the status of Malik Hooker's uh, fifth year option status, we will find that out this afternoon. Whenever we get this video up, the Colts will probably have their decision made by then. But today we're going to be talking to you guys about the three players that are impacted both positively and negatively from this Colts 2020 NFL draft. So first things first, before we get started into the topic, just understand that we did not include Malik Hooker in this article of discussion because of the simple fact of this. Julian Blackman's uh, injury mixed with the fifth-year option status is more of a concern for us than Julian Blackman actually getting signed at this moment in time, we just don't know about the future of Malik Hooker right now. So that's why we're not going to get into him on this list. But first things we're going to do, we're going to jump into uh, three players who are positively impacted by the Colts draft. And we're going to start uh, with Cody here. So Cody, who's the first name that we're going to mention here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the third most impacted guy was actually a drafted guy, Jacob Beeson, quarterback, Washington, Uh, He's a guy that has a a lot of people and a lot of the media have said this is the perfect situation for Easton to come in because he's ideally going to be sitting behind two quarterbacks who have started in the league with Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. And it's a thing where he doesn't, you know, beyond the preseason where which we'll see him the most probably this season, even if an injury happens to one of these quarterbacks, he's not going to have to see the field unless something crazy happens. He's going to have a year maybe even two years, depending on what they do um, with Brissett and Rivers, to kind of sit behind these guys, learn, grow, compete with Chad Kelly for that third quarterback spot. I think it's a perfect situation for him with just the scheme that the Colts run, how they like what they like in their quarterbacks, and also just Phillip Rivers, who I think him and Jacob Eason kind of have a similar style of play of kind of a gunslinger mentality where they're not afraid to throw the ball down the field, throw it into tight spots. Um, so he has a chance to learn with that. And then also on the flip side, Jacoby Brissett, a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but then obviously you sacrifice the big plays, which we saw last year. So he kind of has uh, the tale of two quarterbacks that he can learn from um, and kind of kind of just soak it all in. If I was if I was here, if I was Jacob Beeson in this situation, 
I would just be a sponge. I would be in Philip River and Jacoby Brissett's hip pocket, just asking questions over and over and over. And I think that's that's the chance that Jacob Peason has here. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the intangibles that you're looking for. Um, you know, Frank Reich wasn't shy about this guy. Is He's going to need some work. He's kind of a project. That's why you take him in the fourth round. And for me, this is the perfect situation for Jacob Eason because he has the opportunity. He has the talent. He has the people to learn from, also including Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, all those guys. He has – it's a perfect situation for me for Jacob Eason to be in because he just has the opportunity to learn and to grow and to pick the brains of some very, very knowledgeable guys in the NFL. Uh, so for me, yeah, the, this is a no-brainer. Jacob Eason is a clear – positive impact here for the Colts in 2020. All right, let's move to the second guy on our list. The second most impacted uh, person in this Colts team impacted by the draft. And that is running back Marlon Mack. So why would you say that Marlon Mack is positively impacted? I mean, Derek, he's going to lose, probably lose some of his snaps. He's, probably not going to get the yards and the stats that he wants. Fair enough, but let me allow me to explain. So I think most Colts fans can understand that Marlon Mack has had some injury problems over the last few years. No offense to him. That's just what happens with a lot of running backs. And let's be honest, a guy of his size and the way the Colts like to run the ball a lot more than most teams do. That can take a toll on a guy like Marlon Mack, who's not really used to that kind of workload, who's just maybe not as durable as some other running backs are capable of being. So when you think about the option of a Jonathan Taylor, and I'll even get to the point of why adding Phillip Rivers uh, helps Marlon Mack as well. Um, Here's the thing. So with Jonathan Taylor, yes, he's going to lose snaps, but what do we always say? The best ability is reliability. And with Jonathan Taylor taking some of those snaps, Marlon Mack has the ability to rest a little bit more of the time, which could potentially keep him healthier for more time during the season. And when you're more healthy, potentially that means better production when he's in. So ultimately, I don't care if he gets 20 rushes for if he gets 20 rushes for 120 yards, if he's getting 10 rushes for 85, 90 yards, that's better because that means that he's getting me half of the time, but he's getting me near the same production. It's ultimately important that he's getting better production while he's out there, not just more production running himself into the ground. That's why Jonathan Taylor is a positive influence for Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is able to take more time to be able to adjust himself and get better. And honestly, they play a lot of the same way. Both of these two running backs do. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's just bigger and strong and faster. Uh, Cody and I were talking about that before the podcast started. And honestly, uh, adding uh, Philip Rivers to this equation helps Marlon Mack because again, that's more of a, you know, Philip Rivers throwing it to Naheem Hines a few more times. Again, that's going to take a few reps away from Marlon. I know, but again, more time for the ball to be out of Marlon Mack's hands. 
and let him be a pass protector at times and maybe just getting off the field, keeping himself rested. So ultimately, when you're looking at adding all these guys and Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack is going to lose production, yes, but positively in the long run, Marlon Mack might enjoy that because he might be able to stay healthier longer, which ultimately I think is the best thing for him here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... It, it, this is good. Like you said, the running back, the nature of the NFL running backs don't really last long, right? There's, they get a lot of tread on the tires, right? That's the most hardest position on your body, I would argue. Uh, and so it makes a lot of sense for all those reasons. And Marlon Mack is the ultimate team player. I was watching. Um, so the local media had just talked to Frank Reich and was listening to kind of what Frank said about Marlon. He said, right after they made the selection of Jonathan Taylor, Frank texted Marlon Mack and basically told him, Hey man, you know how we roll. You know that we we like to feature multiple backs. But you know we like to get each guy um, their reps and get each guy their touches. And Marlon Mack texted him back and said, yes, sir, ready to go. And so Marlon Mack isn't a guy. He doesn't come off as a guy to me that really cares about stats. He just cares about winning. He's a guy that cares about the overall team, and he wants the team to win. And it, even if that means that he's going to lose some reps because of D- Jonathan Taylor, I think Marlon Mack is okay with that. Because you mentioned he's going to be healthier. Uh, the Colts are going to get better production out of their running backs. Because, I mean, we saw last year, you know, Jonathan Williams was pretty darn good when the Colts needed him. But, you know, you look at statistically when Marlon Mack has missed games, the Colts running game has suffered. Yep. And so, you know, inevitably, you know, the, the stats are and just the odds are that Marlon Mack's probably not going to play all of the games because it's a grind, right? It's a 16 game season, soon to be a 17 game season. And it's bound to happen. Injuries happen in the NFL. And I think this will help prevent the injuries from happening. Um, I want to kind of make an, an, a comparison here and it's, it's slightly different, but I kind of look at like even Justin Houston last year when he was brought into Indianapolis, right? When he was with Kansas city, he was asked to do stuff that he wasn't, didn't love to do, right? He was asked to go out to coverage, um, he was asked to be one of their primary pass rushers and uh, he got injured. And then the Colts used him, I guess they gave him more reps or they gave him more rest, I should say. And what happened? He played, I believe he played all 16 games. I mean, he was healthy. And so I think in a similar situation to this, I know it's slightly different, but in a situation like this, Marlon Mack, he gets the chance to be productive. We know how productive he is. He's a very good back when he's healthy, um, but there are health concerns. And so, to me, this is a win for both guys and for just this Colts offense in general. And then you were talking about Phillip Rivers. He's going to be obviously one on our list here because you now have a two-headed monster with your running backs. You have Naheem Hines still, who we know Phillip Rivers loves to throw to his running backs. We've seen that Darren Sproles, Danny Woodhead, and more recently Austin Eckler, who had 90 catches last year. Uh, and so Naheem Hines will add another element there. You signed Trey Burton as well, um, who I think, you know, when talking about helping for Marlon Mack, you know, he's going to help tremendously because he's a good run blocking tight end as well as adding Roosevelt Knicks. And so Frank Reich has doubled down now on wanting to improve this running game, which we saw. Um, it seems like every, every year that Phillip Rivers has had a good year and the Chargers have been successful, they've been able to run the football. And the Colts certainly have doubled down and even tripled down on wanting to run the football. And I think that'll take so much pressure off of Phillip Rivers to have to feel like he has to make every throw, right? feel like if he doesn't make this throw, the Colts aren't going to win, right? They can beat you in other ways. Frank Reich 
one of the things that Frank Reich loves to do is wear teams down. And now the Colts have that two-headed monster. And I think, you know, with a player of the caliber of Phillip Rivers, now adding Michael Pittman, Desmond Patman, uh, two bigger body receivers. I, I saw in kind of the, I don't know if you've watched the, the Colts doing their next pick series, but I was watching the most recent one about the draft and Phil and uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich were comparing him to Vincent Jackson. Right. And we know that was one of Phil Rivers favorite targets when he was with the chargers. So giving him a familiar body type in a receiver, as well as getting T Y Hilton back adding, you know, keeping Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, who, who knows about Reese fountain and also giving him <laughs> one of the best, if not the best offensive lines in the league. I think this is a clear number one, Philip Rivers, with all the talent the Colts have added, free agency, and also now in the NFL draft, I think this is a clear number one. Philip Rivers is the biggest winner here from this Colts draft. All right, and real quick before I say something here, um, the Colts have officially decided not to pick up Malik Coker's fifth-year option. Really? Yep, they, they declined it. That's so, interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Well, that means two things, guys. It either means that the uh, Colts are going to trade him at some point or they really are going to test this year to see if Malik Hooker is worth bringing back next year. I mean, I guess I understand in the sense that Chris Ballard is is not wanting to tie himself to something that he may not want to keep around for a while, but we're going to discuss that here in another video. But um, anyway, uh, Cody mentioned Phillip Rivers there. Uh, good info there on that one. So now let's move here to players who will be negatively affected by this draft. There's a couple here. Um, and the third guy uh, on our list here, we have uh, Mark Lewinsky, who obviously, if anyone has been listening to us from last season, uh, knows Cody's uh, feelings toward Mark Lewinsky. Not that he hates him in any way, just thinks that, you know, we could continue to do better uh, at right guard. And, you know, with the Colts adding uh, Danny Pinter to the mix in the fifth round, uh, you heard how you heard how Ballard and the Colts staff uh, raved about Danny Pinter's ability and, excuse me, uh, being able to, you know, move around, be flexible, do things of that nature, potentially being a guard, somebody that can start for that spot at some point. Um, we, you know, Mark Lewinsky's been regarded as the weakest link on that offensive line. And, you know, it's quite funny given the fact that, you know, Lewinsky's been a above average right guard for most of the time. I mean, it's not like he's been a bad guard. It's just the sense that he is the weakest link on this offensive line, uh, both in penalty sake and on the sense of, you know, being able to hold people off in the middle. So, you know, I think his spot is definitely up for grabs if the Colts are that high on Danny Pinter. So, you know, you have to start wondering, does, does possibly something change? with that right guard position, it probably won't change right away. Uh, Probably will be a year or two down the line, potentially. But Danny Pinter gets a little bit stronger. I think that the right guard position could potentially change a couple times uh, with Glowinski being yanked out, potentially, if uh, things continue to happen the way they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And moving on to number two here, 
running back Jordan Wilkins. He's the guy that the Colts initially took in that 2018 draft in the fifth round. He's a guy that he hasn't seen the field a ton, but when he has, he's he's been pretty good. Uh, but now with the addition of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem, you know, and Naheem Hines is ideally going to stay there as a receiving back. So, yeah, I just don't know. Maybe the Colts keep four running backs, but for me, if you have to choose a running back that you're going to let go, if you just want to carry three, it's, it's obviously going to be Jordan Wilkins. He wasn't even seeing the field that much when Marlon Mack was the feature back. And so I just don't know how he's going to see the see the field or really, you know, get a chance to to show what he can do. I mean, I just don't see where he fits on this roster right now. Uh, you know, even with Jonathan Williams, he was a guy that was on the practice squad. I don't even know if he's eligible, Jordan Wilkins, for the practice squad, but I feel like if he was on the practice squad, some team would scoop him up. Uh, so for me, I just I don't see where he fits into this offense. The Colts now have two running backs that they're going to rely on with that one-two punch. So, yeah, for me, Jordan Wilkins makes number two here because he still could be on the roster. I just don't really see where he fits. And he may want a chance to to go somewhere else and to compete, uh, maybe for a starting running back position or maybe just a backup position. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of there. My, my number two is Jordan Wilkins. Yep, with the three-headed uh, monster in Indianapolis, certainly uh, that's an issue for Jordan Wilkins. And the number one guy impacted by this draft and this offseason, basically in general, uh, we have is Tyquan Lewis, uh, the defensive tackle. So a couple reasons, again, why Tyquan Lewis is here, mainly because of the fact that with so much additions added to the defensive line, particularly defensive tackle um, this offseason and because of the addition of Wincher in the sixth round uh, later in the draft, uh, it makes sense that, you know, Taekwon might have to move positions. Uh, he might have to play defensive end. And, of course, he, he played defensive end mostly um, at Ohio State. So it, it, he definitely has the experience of playing on the outside. He just doesn't have that speed and athleticism that some of these other guys have for uh, for that outside edge spot. But again, in order for him to make this roster, that's where his impact is, is he's having to potentially change positions just to be able to stay on the roster. And with the depth the way it is now and, you know, kind of being backed up against the wall and everything else of that nature, you know, Tyquan Lewis could potentially not be on the roster and be one of the few players that Ballard has drafted over the last three years that have just not really performed at where they were drafted at to become. I mean, you know, Tyquan will be the second second uh, round pick that Ballard has had over the last three years that just hasn't really contributed too much. Uh, obviously the first one being Quincy Wilson. Um, so yeah, Tyquan Lewis here having to potentially change positions and with his backup against the wall here, Tyquan Lewis for me is taking the number one spot here. Yeah. And you know, he played a little bit of defensive end there in his rookie year. Um, I know he had a really good game against the Dallas Cowboys. I think he had two sacks. He was very productive, but this is a guy last year that, you know, the Colts before the Colts even added any of the guys they added this year, he's a healthy scratch most of the time. And so now you've got to think with the Buckner with Sheldon Day, 
uh, now drafting Robert Windsor. You know, unless he can, he's a lot more productive and he practices a lot better at defensive end. I just don't know if he's going to make this roster, honestly. And, and it's sad because he has the talent. He's shown flashes, but he's a guy that couldn't even get on the field last year when the Colts, <laughs> you know, their defensive line was arguably their biggest weakness, especially that three technique. You know, you, you we talk about how the Colts, we talked about all offseason, how the Colts have to upgrade that three technique position. I was hoping Tyquan Lewis would take that over and hoping that he would he would just solidify that need. But he just has not been able to do that. He has been not productive at all. He hasn't been able to get onto the field, hasn't been able to to play many snaps. And so, yeah, for me, I, I think I agree here. He's number one for sure because I honestly don't know if he's going to make this final roster just with how crowded this deep interior defensive line especially is. Um, I think he's going to have to play defensive end if he hopes to make this roster. And even then, um, maybe Danico Autry plays some defensive end and he doesn't, he doesn't need – they don't need Tyquan Lewis. And they're like – well, we, we can we can move on. So, yeah, I agree with you there, Derek. But, all right, I think that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, we had a hard time kind of coming up with some of these guys, uh, but I would love to hear if you guys have any other guys you think are positively or negatively impacted by the Colts 2020 draft, and make sure to send us a comment down below on your thoughts on that. But for Derek and myself, thank you guys so much for your support of us. Uh, we, well, we were going to definitely bring in more content. Like we mentioned, the Colts – as we recorded this, decided to decline Malik Hooker's fifth-year option. So right after this video, we're going to record another one. We'll get that one up before this video probably. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So be sure to, to check that one out. But for Derek and myself, thanks, guys, so much. And go Colts.